0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grizz Weekly Grind. Proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, the television voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, we're glad that you're here for Episode 2. Episode 1 featured the longtime radio voice of the San Antonio Spurs, Bill Shoning, as the very first friend of the program. And um, as I said before uh, we really got into Episode 1, that this is going to be a podcast that uh, it is going to continue to evolve hopefully evolve and not devolve as the NBA season goes on. And we'll try some different things. And we've got a couple of new features for you today. And uh, if you have thoughts or comments, uh, first of all, please leave a rating. That will certainly uh, let us know what the feedback is like and if we're headed in the right direction with this podcast. But if um, you have some comments or questions, uh, I would welcome them. My Twitter handle is at Pete Pranica, and you can go ahead and, and, and drop me a note and maybe you've got a question that we might be able to answer in a future edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. This episode, uh, we are going to do some new things. We're going to introduce uh, a fellow by the name of Marcus Holliday, also known as Doc Holliday, played football for the University of Memphis, former sports anchor at the ABC and CW affiliate in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, he's been following the Grizzlies for a long period of time, and uh, since we call him Doc Holliday, we're going to have have uh, Doc's diagnosis. We're gonna we're gonna do that, and uh, also we have a, a friend of the program, Grizzlies coming up and playing the Cleveland Cavaliers twice in the next week or so. And so we are going to bring aboard as our second friend of the program John Michael, the television voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we'll get his take on what's going on with the Cavaliers, who are off to uh, off to a pretty decent start. Uh, and of course, as you well know, we always start the Grizz Weekly Grind with That Was the Week That Was. So here we go. Um, Grizzlies on New Year's Day off the loss at Boston. They go to Charlotte and the Grizzlies really handle their business. And it was one of the best team-wide efforts you could possibly imagine for the Grizzlies as they put up a season-high 34 assists, shot 48% from the floor, 36% from three, and despite the fact that they only attempted 10 free throws for the entire game, they beat the Hornets 108-93. to And as I said, this was a tremendous team effort by the Grizzlies. Uh, they only had nine bodies available to them. All nine players recorded at least one assist. Desmond Bain had four. John Conchar had five to go along with nine rebounds. It was a total team effort. And after the way the Grizzlies got blitzed in Boston, you were wondering how they would be able to hold together, but they did extremely well. They go into Charlotte and, uh, and win the ball game 108-93. Grizzlies got to 2-3 and three at that point. One note about Charlotte, I think it's only a matter of time before James Borrego has to put LaMelo Ball in the starting lineup because he's, he's for real. He's legit. Uh, can shoot the ball. Fantastic court presence had six assists and 15 points off the bench for the Hornets in that game. I think he is really going to have a solid pro career. Grizzlies, meanwhile, held, held Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham to a combined two for 21 shooting and two of nine from three. So their very dangerous backcourt was held in check. So you could start to see that maybe the Grizzlies' defense was starting to get, get going And they carried that on when they came back a couple days later, took on the Los Angeles Lakers. Grizzlies got off early to a 12-point lead, could not handle it and hold on to it because the Lakers, a 31-18 second quarter. And then LeBron James doing LeBron James things with 13 of his 22 points in the fourth quarter, and the Lakers would go on to win 108-94, courtesy of a 31-19 fourth quarter. Grizzlies defensively did really well against... The Los Angeles Lakers. Offensively, it still continues to be a struggle in that game. Grizzlies shot just 41% and 27% from three. So, again, the issue with the Grizzlies, uh, the offense, more than anything else. Then, a couple nights after that, Lakers remain in town. This is the way the NBA is this year, where you've got teams playing consecutive games against each other. And again, the Grizzlies had a double digit lead really had an opportunity in this game as they led it at halftime, led it through three quarters. But again, the Lakers in the fourth quarter, really the difference is the Lakers have a couple of all-stars in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And without Jaron Jackson Jr. and without John Morant, the Grizzlies are fighting the Lakers with a pretty good roster but more of role players than star-level players. And and ultimately, it was going to be too much. James and Davis combined For 52 of the Lakers' 94 points in a 94-92 win, and again the Grizzlies did good things defensively. I mean they held the Lakers under 100 for the first time all season. Lakers shot just under 44 percent, but again the problem is Grizzlies shoot just 41 percent from the floor. This was a game where the Grizzlies bench was fantastic in the first quarter. Starters got nothing going in the first quarter. Got around in the second quarter. They started to play better. Grizzlies nearly erased a nine-point deficit and uh, made it very, very interesting at the end. So the Grizzlies, uh, over the last three games, one win, two losses. So that was the week that was. And with that, we turn now to Petey's points. Basically one point in today's show. I I don't think we need to go any further with this. And, And part of it plays off what I said earlier, that the Grizzlies don't have their star level players. Okay, No Jaron Jackson Jr., no John Morant. Those are guys with star power. Justice Winslow may have some star power uh, with the Grizzlies. We just haven't seen it yet. So what ends up happening is the Grizzlies are playing with guys like Kyle Anderson, good basketball player, but more a role player than a you're not going to find him in an all-star game but the Grizzlies are playing together and that was a question that was asked of Gorgie Jang after the loss in Boston okay how is this group going to handle this because they got blitzed on the road uh, and you're without John Morant and you're without Jaron Jackson Jr. and and Gorgie said look we're going to hang together And, and Kyle Anderson had been saying the same thing you never have to worry about this team and their cohesion they are going to stick together even though the odds may not be in their favor. I mean, you play consecutive games against the Lakers, and you don't have your two best players on the roster available to you, and you're able to go toe-to-toe more or less with the Lakers and put up a tremendous defensive effort. Where the Grizzlies are lacking, obviously, what Jaron and Jock can give you, which is some offense. And without John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., it is going to continue to be a struggle. But now having said that, this is a team that from day one when Taylor Jenkins took over said we are going to compete at a very very high level this team has competed at a high level they haven't always been able to match the talent level of the team on the other side of the floor but from a competitive standpoint in terms of uh, spirit in terms of determination in terms of yes grit and grind the Grizzlies have been there And they will continue to be there as they go into the next week where they wrap up this homestand as they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets, who, by the way, uh, will be without Kevin Durant because of the COVID protocols. So we got Petey's points down, and that was the week that was. And so uh, I'd said we're going to talk to Doc Holliday and get his thoughts about what's going on with the Grizzlies so far in Doc's diagnosis. But we've got one more little segment that we're going to add in here. It's going to be an occasional segment, and it's going to be NBA Storytime. Now, what is NBA Storytime, you ask? Well, I'm going to answer it for you. I've been in the NBA 28 seasons, and every you, you do get a, a group of stories. You, you just do. It's just kind of, kind of part of the business, and since... Marc Gasol finally made his return to FedEx Forum in another uniform. I think it's a good time to tell one of the stories that I have about Marc Gasol, and one that I find to be pretty unique, pretty telling about not only Marc Gasol but really more about his family and his mother in particular, and just the way that that they integrated, and they by by they I mean the Gasol family integrated themselves into Memphis because. For those of you who aren't familiar, now, I mean, Pau Gasol gets drafted by Atlanta, but gets traded to Memphis for their inaugural season at the Pyramid. Mark Gasol goes to Lausanne Collegiate High School in Memphis. Um, Mrs. Gasol is, is a physician. Augusti, uh, the boy's father, uh, is a medical administrator, administrator. He goes to work for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So the whole family moves to Memphis to be around Powell. And they have been just a huge part of the community ever since, well, you know, 2001. So, Mark's rookie year, Grizzlies don't make the playoffs. And the last night of the regular season is always, it, it, it's heartbreaking in a way if you're not going on to the playoffs. Um, you know, with the fans and with the families of the players and the players themselves, it becomes kind of a self-contained community and you realize that some of these guys in uniform may not be back next year. And some of them you may have become very fond of because they've been particularly good interviews or, or whatever. And so you don't know who you're going to see, who's going, going to come back. Well, we knew that Marcus saw obviously was going to come back. There was, there was no issue with him going anywhere else. But as you walk out of the building that night, there are a lot of goodbyes that are said. Um, You'll get fans asking, yes, even me for an autograph. Uh, but in this case, I'm walking out, uh, leaving the, the, the court area to walk past uh, one of the premium lounges, and I'm going to go to my car, and the season is over, and the off-season will, has just started. And I'm about to walk through, through the vomitory in, into the backstage area, and this tall woman comes up to me, whom I have never met and asks if she can take my picture. Okay, it, it, it happens from time to time. There are season ticket holders or fans that, that want my picture. I, I don't know why, but they do. And, uh, and I always oblige because I'm flattered that anybody would, would want my picture or my autograph. Like I said, I don't understand why, but it's okay. And so, you know, I, I, I stand there and I, I smile nicely, and, and and the woman takes my picture and thanks me for it. and and I'd never met her before, and she says, allow me to introduce myself. I am Dr. Gasol. I am Mark's mother, and I am putting together a scrapbook of Mark's rookie year here in Memphis, and I wanted to make sure, since you called his games on television, that I had a picture of you to put in that scrapbook. So, I don't know where that scrapbook is, uh, I, I don't know if it's anywhere near Mark's championship ring, but in any event, Dr. Gasol took that picture, put it in a scrapbook that she made for Mark, and I just think that's the sweetest thing in the world that that they would do that. Um, you know, Typically, you don't, you don't think of NBA players uh, as, as having scrapbooks or that their parents would be putting together these, these, these books of memories or, or whatever. But I just thought that that was extremely sweet of her to do that, and uh, that's the first installment of NBA Story Time, and so from one new segment we segue into another, and uh, it's going to be uh, every once in a while. You know, it, look, I have to do everything here. All right, I'm my own engineer, I'm my own producer, I'm my own booker for guests, and um, so every once in a while, you know, we like to we like to get some new faces on here. And and as I said, uh, once we made the announcement on this podcast or that this podcast would exist. Uh, Doc Holiday reached out to me and said, "Hey, if you ever need a guest, I'm 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 happy to talk about the Grizzlies." And uh, Doc and I actually had worked two uh, of the Liberty Bowl uh, high school all star games together because Doc played football uh, for the University of Memphis and uh, and a local sports anchor, and so he's maintained interest obviously in in Memphis area sports and. Uh, he is highly entertaining. And so uh, when Doc said, hey, I'd love to be on the podcast. Hey, we love volunteers here at, uh, at the Grizz Weekly Grind. And uh, so when Doc volunteered, I said, well, you know, I, yeah, I think I can take you up on that. And um, so we're going to call this, and like I said, it will be a periodic segment. We're going to call it Doc's Diagnosis. Here's Doc Holliday. All right, Doc, I know that you've been watching this group really, really closely. Uh, what have you seen so far?
1: Well, it's more like what I haven't seen. It's like, you know, no Jaron and no Joss. So what really can you expect, man? But not having your best two players or two superstars out there, still having a team that goes out there and plays hard. And that's one thing about these Memphis Grizzlies, especially since Taylor Jenkins been the head coach, not having guys really don't mean anything as far as effort and heart wise, because they do play with effort and heart. And the thing that I see is that the Memphis Grizzlies are still the Memphis Grizzlies, they still have that grit and grind attitude, man. They don't quit. Uh, you know, they don't bag down. They don't punk down to anybody, even they don't, uh, Even though they don't have their two best players. So that's what I've seen, and that's what I'm happy about seeing from my hometown NBA team, Pete.
0: Well, you know, Doc, you're absolutely right. I think people presume that grit and grind means that, that you're in the mud and you're playing really, really slow. But grit and grind is, is how hard you play. I'm particularly curious as to your take about Desmond Bain four year guy out of TCU and uh, I think he's shown pretty well as a rookie. What are you seeing from your chair?
1: Hey, toughness. You know, I was looking at Desmond last night. He reminds me of a football player, man, like a cornerback or a strong safety. You know, sort of like built like David Wesley used to be built, the NBA player. I love his aggress- aggressiveness and I also love his confidence. I think he's shooting what? 47% from three-point range. Pete, he just he just chucks it up there, man, and he's averaging he I mean, he hits like uh, uh, you know, averaging nine points a game. So I just love the confidence that he's playing with and what he brings to our uh, our team. And, uh, you know, he's looking at Taylor like, look, uh, my man, you need to give me some more minutes uh, on this court. And he's, you know, he deserves to get more playing time. So I just, and plus I love his name, Pete. It's Bane. This grit and yeah. grind, this is a grit and grind city. I hear his name, I think about Batman and, you know, the villain, but he's our good guy, but he's a villain to all the other NBA teams. So uh, I love Desmond, man. I just love how he plays and what he brings. And he just never seems like he's out of place.
0: Final thing for you, Doc. You talked about Jaron and John justice, not being available. Uh, Don't know when they're all going to be back. Might not be till the early part of February. Who knows Uh, what's the best way for the Grizzlies to, to stay afloat until those guys are healthy.
1: I mean, just continue to play hard. That's really all you can do. We see how it is. We haven't had and We only had Ja for three games. And he give, what he was giving us, what, 26 points in 27 minutes or something like that, something close to that. So, I mean, you don't have those guys, Pete. It's almost like uh, uh, not, you know, you go to see the Temptations. You go see the Temptations perform, right? David Ruffin is not singing. You know, neither is Dennis Edwards. You know, it's like, Paul is cool, Eddie is cool, but you don't have your two, you know, your two lead singers. So, uh, and the Grizzlies being, you know, vitamin J uh, deficient, man, no Jeremy, no John, no justice. Uh, what really can you expect? I mean, you expect us to be last in the West and you really can't be mad at that record. But if they just continue to play hard and play with some confidence, man, and just, you know, uh, give us what we're used to getting. I don't think anybody and any Grizzlies fans are upset with any, you know, outcomes right now because we understand what the situation is.
0: All right. The prescription from the doctor is more vitamin J. Doc Holiday, thanks for the time and uh, we'll be in touch down the line. No doubt about it. Nice speaking with you, Pete. So there you go, Doc's Diagnosis, a little bit more vitamin J. Not sure when we're going to get more vitamin J in the Grizzlies diet, but uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. You're listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network, and today's show is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men to be great on the court and in the community, and their alumni include major college and NBA players. For more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. It would be great for your young person to get involved, uh, not only to learn good basketball skills, but also character-building skills as well. They do a fantastic job with the Hoop City Basketball Club. So uh, if your young person is looking for something cool to do, Hoop City Basketball Club would be ideal. Well, when we talk about the upcoming schedule for the Memphis Grizzlies, they've got a couple of games coming up against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the next week. Uh, The Grizzlies, in fact, on Thursday, uh, the 7th of January, they will face the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then their first back-to-back, they'll get Brooklyn at home on January the 8th. And then a couple of days off, and then they will start a three-game road trip that will start with a Monday game against the Cleveland Cavaliers on January the 11th, and then consecutive road games at Minnesota on the 13th and on the 15th. Cleveland Cavaliers were part of the Delete Eight. They were not involved in the bubble last year, and uh, they are looking for uh, they're looking to rebuild a little bit. And they've got an old friend of ours, J.B. Bickerstaff, is their head coach. And today's friend of the program is John Michael. John Michael started out as the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers following the legendary Joe Tate. And then upon the very untimely death of our good friend Fred McLeod, prior to the start of last season, John Michael took over as the TV voice on Fox Sports Ohio alongside Mr. Cavalier Austin Carr. Um, John Michael, great interview. We had uh, a real good visit. Both of us are Notre Dame guys. And uh, in this uh, interview, you will hear John Michael give some advice to aspiring broadcasters in addition to breaking down what's going on with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So without further ado, here is the latest friend of the program, John Michael. So, John, early season with the Cavaliers. You guys are off to a good start, four and three. Uh, J.B. Vickerstaff, your head coach, a, f- a friend to a lot of us here in Memphis. Uh, what's, what's your take on the first seven games, at least?
2: Well, J.B. has been a big part of what the Cavaliers are doing, and Pete, it didn't start just this season. Last year when he took over at the All-Star break, I think he really instilled some trust, uh, instilled some relationships and chemistry in this team, and they played some pretty good basketball until the season was halted in mid-March. And then, of course, the Cavs were not one of the eight teams invited to the bubble, so it was nine months off for this team. but. I think JB and his staff have done a great job keeping this team engaged. Uh, The young core has been playing well early. You know, the the young backcourt and Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Garland's a guy back in his second season, only played five games at Vanderbilt uh, in his collegiate career, up and down first season. But, man, he looks like almost a different player, does Darius Garland. And Colin Sexton continues to improve. You know, JB said this this is a guy who falls out of bed and can score 20. Um, So, That's nice to see the Cavs are happy with Isaac Okoro, who they selected fifth overall out of Auburn. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the second game of the season, but in the preseason, in those first two games, exactly what the doctor ordered for a team that was defensively challenged over the last couple of seasons. Those numbers are much, much better for the Cavs. And again, I think it's, it's part of the identity that J.B. Bickerstaff is trying to instill. You know, he said we can control two things: we want to be the most competitive team every night and the most unselfish team every night. And for the most part, that's precisely what the Cavaliers have been in this early part of the season. How has Andre Drummond integrated himself as as the the OG, the old guy? It's a really good question, you know, and it's a it's a completely different dynamic than what the Cavs. We're dealing with what the Cavs had roster-wise a mere season ago. You know, you look at just a year ago, Cavaliers in terms of size had Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and Ante Zizic, who rarely played, right? So now Tristan has gone to Boston. The Cavs still have Kevin Love, but you start 6'11", Andre Drummond. You come back with JaVale McGee, a seven-footer. And then, oh, by the way, Thon Maker's there if you need him as well, another seven-footer. So it has changed entirely. You know, the Cavs, a team that used to be among – the lowest in the league in blocks, among the lowest in the league in steals. That has reversed itself early, and in big part because of Andre Drummond. He's been top five in both blocks and in steals. Does a lot on that defensive end. You know about his offense. You know how big and strong he is in that paint. But defensively, he talks guys out of a lot of shots, and he's been big for the Cavs in that middle. Exercised his player options. So this is a big year, I think, for both Andre and the Cavs to learn each other to see if this works and to see if this is a long-term situation for Andre Drummond. But uh, he's been nice to have in the middle. Again, it's a a stark contrast to what the Cavs were dealing with over the last couple of seasons.
0: We're visiting with John Michael, the television voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, John, you brought up Kevin Love. Uh, Everybody in Memphis remembers what almost happened (laughs) at, at, uh, at your building last year. What was the reaction in Cleveland when Ja tried to jump Kevin Love and dunk?
2: Well, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, it shocked us. I was, personally, I was speechless when it happened. I mean, it was an unbelievable play. And, you know, John Moran has been so special so early in his career. You know, I mean, I'm not speaking for you, but he seems to be from the outside just what that team needed, you know, in terms of not just his playmaking ability, but his, his spirit and and what he brings each and every night to the game. And that was nearly, what, the dunk of the century? I mean, that was Vince <laughs> Carter, Frederick Weiss type stuff. It was unreal. Uh, almost happened. But, you know, you you look at what Morant brings, and I think you can look at those 10 seconds of the, of the aggressiveness and the spirit and the willingness to take a chance even like that. Uh, and, and it speaks a lot about the young man. Uh, I think he's going to do special things there in Memphis.
0: How difficult was it to be off from March, basically now till December, not only for you, but but for the team and JB getting guys back together after that long a hiatus?
2: Well, the team said, you know, this this is difficult for us because, you know, the, the poster team for me, Pete, is, is Phoenix. Right. I mean, look what Phoenix did. They go into the bubble. They go eight. zero. Right? And then they come out this season and they're feeling entirely different about themselves than they did going into the bubble. You know, and the, the front office said that hurt us, particularly when you're at this phase of the organizational cycle, when you have young guys and you're trying to get better and you're trying to form those bonds and, and play better basketball to get you back in the standings where you want to be. Now, that said, the Cavs understand. I mean, it, safety first, the fewer people, the fewer teams, you know, no qualms with what the NBA did. However, nine months is nine months, you know, so it was difficult for this team to try to ramp it back up. Remember, too, I mean, the draft occurred in mid-November, a draft that previously, the latest that ever took place was at the end of June. So these kids that are drafted are instantly right into camp, right into the lineup. So it's a lot of, you know, the process ramping up to get where you need to be at the start of the season was fouled up. You know, it was difficult to be able to do that. So that was, that's what the team went through as far as you know, we were concerned we saw you and all of our colleagues down there in the bubble and at first i thought i'd be okay with it and then i the guess <laughs> i watched i was so salty i said well look at all our friends are having a ball they're calling these games i got at least eight more maybe a playoff series or two uh so it yeah i mean we, we laugh about it but yeah it was hard i mean it was difficult seeing other teams continue and we're of course itching uh to call games for this organization but uh it's all good i mean what the NBA pulled off is nothing short of spectacular. I mean, no positive test. The way they went about doing it, it was a fantastic idea. They pulled it off amazingly. Uh, and you know, credit belongs entirely to, to the NBA and, and what they were able to do in terms of finishing that season. So, John,
0: that was that was that was the negative part of of being the voice of the Cavaliers. But you covered championship teams and having LeBron James. For those of us who have not been blessed. <laughs> with broadcasting for a championship team what is that like to have a LeBron James to win a championship and and to to have that what must be incredible euphoria
2: well that's what you get into the business to do right Pete and I mean you know very few people not only get to call the finals but get to go to a game seven in the finals and have your team win that game with a big shot in the final minute Kyrie Irving with 53 seconds left back in 2016 to take out the Warriors uh It's a special moment. And, you know, you talk about LeBron. There's a player where you'd find yourself, say, you know, playing a game in Orlando in December, right in the middle of the season. And here's a guy doing spectacular things, you know, making the spectacular look routine on a nightly basis. And it was usually at commercial breaks where I would sit back and, you know, this guy's a triple double in the middle of the third quarter and he's dragging everybody else along with him. And it it was... To see a player of that caliber be the hardest worker out there on the floor each and every day and in practice each and every day makes you understand why he's a champion, makes you understand why, you know, at times he carried the Cavs on his back to four straight finals, why he went to eight straight finals, did LeBron. Uh, but, I mean, special moment, Pete. You know, you, you ride in that parade the next day with 1.2 million of our closest friends <laughs> on top of a float in a car and uh, – Woo. That, that's, that's special, special stuff.
0: You had a most interesting journey to get to where you are. We're both Notre Dame guys. Okay. I only have one degree. You have three from there and you were working in a law firm. And then what, what was, what was the light bulb that went off that said, you know, this law career, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go broadcast minor league baseball, uh, you know, and, and, and to get to this point, what, tell us a little bit about your journey because I know, during the hiatus, I had so many young broadcasters ask me about my journey, uh, which was, a, there were some some twists and turns in it, but I mean, yours yours
2: is fairly unique. Well, when I get asked that question from would-be broadcasters, I say, I'll tell you how I got there, but don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> a lot Easier ways to do it than what I, than what I did. Yeah, I went to Notre Dame, uh, uh, went to law school and MBA school and became a lawyer. I was practicing law uh, in downtown Pittsburgh at the largest firm. Uh, in Western Pennsylvania, and I just got the itch. You know, I started doing high school football on the side, and fell in love with it. When football season was over, they said, "Can you do, you know, basketball and hockey?" I said, "Of course." You always say, "Of course," in this business, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the details later. Of course, I'll be able to do it. Uh, and then, you know, after a while, here I was in court and taking depositions during the day, but moonlighting at night, picking up high school rosters, getting faxed to me. That's how long ago it was. Getting faxed to me and going out and calling these games and and. The bug just bit me, and I fell in love with it, and I sent some tapes out and got an offer to do low-A minor league baseball with the Hagerstown Suns, then an affiliate of the San Francisco Giants, and it was a crossroads moment, you know, one of those now-or-never times. If you, you know, if you turn it down, you look back and you say, what if? Your whole life. And I said, ah, you know, I, I got to roll the dice here, so I set the practice of law aside, went and did a year of baseball. That transitioned into minor league hockey. Uh, And six years later, I was was blessed to be in the NHL. I was fortunate that people heard me at the right time and did uh, NHL hockey for a couple of seasons and then over to the Cavaliers. So uh, it's been a a circuitous ride. I'm the most unnecessarily educated human in the in the NBA. I know that for a fact. (laughs) None of the three degrees come in any handy at all throughout the course of the game. But uh, it's been special. And what what a ride it's been. And uh, I'm just thankful for all the people along the way that have helped me to get to this point.
0: Now, John, thanks so much for the time. Wish we would get to see you in person when our teams play, but I guess we're going to have to hold
2: that off until next season. No question. Sounds good, Pete. I appreciate it. So our thanks to
0: John Michael for uh, the advice to aspiring broadcasters and also the breakdown of the latest with the Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, who had been – Head coach of the Grizzlies for a period of time and now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, an affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, television voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host. We hope that you will join us again for Episode 3 of the Grizz Weekly Grind coming your way next week right here on the Basketball Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you later.